At Capella University, you'll get support from people who care about your success. From before you enroll to after you graduate, pursue your goals knowing help is available when you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. As a journalist, I came to know Jared Fogle better than anyone. There were cameras all throughout the house. I had evidence of Jared saying what he wanted to do. He was an active pedophile. I didn't know where it would lead me. I just wanted to find out the truth. Rochelle said, Jared from Subway wants to see pictures of my kids naked. And if I don't, he's going to kill me. You're listening to Drowning Verdict. Be sure to follow the podcast on your favorite listening platform. We don't want you to miss out on an important case or update. If you haven't already, pull the trigger and subscribe. If you're like me, you've had a Subway sandwich before, maybe even yesterday, but did you know that the franchise was built on the back of a pedophile? Yeah, that's right. I'm talking about Jared from Subway, the guy who helped build the franchise year after year after year, helping it become one of the biggest franchises ever. He was caught by the feds for being a pedophile, and there's a new documentary that's coming out called catching a monster and i'm asking the question was he a monster that was created or was he a pedophile at heart all the while so this chip mahoney welcome to drowning verdict which is my true crime podcast this is where i talk about fascinating cases and i go more in depth with the case so thanks for being here today you might have found me on my TikTok where i've got some clips there of the show but if it led you over to the crime network that's crime with a y that's a good place to be it's crime podcast, crypto podcast. I'm there. If you like the content and want to come back for more, then consider the lobster for a time. Drowning Verdict is featured on Spotify though, and you can find it wherever you get your favorite podcasts out there in the podverse, that known universe where all that content swirls about. Well, I'm there to provide maybe a unique angle, a new idea, Definitely a topic of conversation to keep the combo going on open and active cases and sometimes closed cases where we can learn about uh, things and share that information. So if you've heard me before and it wasn't just a drive by, you're pulling the crossover SUV back around and dropping the clip on me. I totally appreciate that. Know that I try to get bigger and better for you each and every time, often to give you a reason for being here. And I've got a pretty good reason today because it's what I call a verdict Friday, which is kind of a wrap up on some of the important topics on DV that I've been talking about. And also going to be discussing Jared from Subway, the guy that was 425 pounds and was eventually caught with his big pants down. So that's a really interesting thing that's uh, coming up. That's the creature feature with Jared. I'm going to get into that, ask some questions, and I got some reasons. But in the wrap-up, kind of talking about the previous subjects, 
I've often talked about on this podcast about how little things can become big things in true crime. There are little things that you can't see with the naked eye and they keep growing and growing. And then one day it's a full on disaster. So if you're interested in something like Jared from Subway, this new doc that's coming out in early March, then I think you might be interested in other stuff that I pay attention to or watch. One of which is um, the airline disasters where they recreate the accidents and kind of figure out what happened. And so I watch that stuff from time to time. I find it really interesting. Yeah, it's not true crime, but they're little things. Often they're little things that become big things over time and then they're big disasters. So can you name for me an airline that has never had a ground or water disaster come in contact with the ground or water, but the plane itself caused the death of a passenger? And in fact, they've only had one fatality in all of their history, one fatality, and no other airline has had something like that where they hadn't had an accident on the ground or in the water. Well, if you said Southwest Airlines, then you'd be right. And I think that if you're listening to the podcast and you have half a brain, you might have figured that out. So high fives for that. It's an interesting story. About five years ago, Flight 1380 had to be diverted into Philly because something happened in the air. It was something that happened to, uh, to the fan blade system within the jet engine. And the jet engine's got a lot of fan blades. And this was the 13th fan blade that came apart, destroyed the engine. Luckily, the uh, engine didn't detach from the wing, but it destroyed it. And it sent all the, um, the metal and debris right into one of the windows, shattered the window, created an air hole, and it sucked a passenger out halfway outside with her other half of her body in her seat where other passengers were holding on to her. So it was 300 mile an hour winds, 50 below, and the pilot and co-pilot have no idea what's going on. But another fortunate thing, uh, which was the first one that the thing didn't uh, come off of the wing, it stayed intact there, otherwise they would have certainly gone down. But fortunate for them, they had a fighter pilot in the pilot seat. And interestingly enough, she was a female and she was kind of like the Sully of her time or at that moment. Remember Sully, the guy who landed the plane in the Hudson River, made a movie about him? Well, she did a phenomenal job. She was a former Air Force fighter pilot, had been in combat missions, and she didn't know what was going on. But she had the wherewithal to speed up, to bring up the speed of the plane in making that landing into uh, Philadelphia, where everything in the protocol said to slow down. She decided to speed up. So they were fortunate. She was the pilot and the co-pilot. They worked together, did a phenomenal job. But the passenger that was sucked out of the plane was halfway out and halfway in. And by the time that they landed, she was expired. There's no way to survive that. But it was little things that became a big thing to cause this disaster. And I've mentioned this in true crime before. So the fan blades are something that are often inspected. They're taken out of the jet engine. There are uh, so many of them. This was the 13th fan blade. So, yeah, it's an unlucky number. 
And previously, uh, through the records and inspection, they would use a water test or like a liquid test. And I don't know what kind of liquid it was, but it was a visual liquid test to look for cracks on the fan blade. Well, there were cracks there that you could not see with the naked eye. And in the transition from going from the visual inspection to um, the ultrasound inspection is what they call it, there was some sort of lag where there was many planes in the air that didn't have the, the proper inspection. So there were cracks in the fan blade that they could not see that only ultrasound eventually could pick up because they did switch to ultrasound after that, regulated by the FAA. So with ultrasound, you can pick up those cracks that the naked eye cannot see. And if they would have had ultrasound, they would have never had this accident. So that's the reason for it. There were cracks that the naked eye could not see. It was such a little thing, but it came a, became a big disaster, and it caused the only fatality for that airline, which was caused by the plane itself. Because there's other uh, tragedies that have happened with passengers, and they had something physically wrong with them, and they died. But this was where the plane did not come in contact with the ground, nor with the water, yet the plane itself caused the fatality. And it was a little thing they could not see. So little things become big things in true crime. I've seen that in a lot of cases. And recently I've talked about the Murdoch case, uh, the Alex Murdoch, could be Alec Murdoch, however you want to say it. But it's a little thing that became a big thing in my mind. And I talked about it in a previous episode where I said, you know, I don't think it was fraud that escalated to murder. I don't think it was a situation where his fraud was revealed or confronted at the law firm. And the same day he went out to shotgun to death the youngest son, Paul, and then rifle to death the wife. I don't think that was the main reason, because I think there were little things, there were little cracks that you could not see with the naked eye that had been developing for years in that case. One of which was Paul, because I've said in previous podcasts that he was the black sheep of the family. He was the Harry of the Windsors. He was, he was the black sheep. And I think when he got into that boating accident on the father's boat, which was owned by Alex and killed a girl because she was ejected from that boat, causing gross negligence, that he had crossed a line. He had problems with him before. He had been a wild child and what I call a black sheep. But I think that he crossed the line and really did something that was contrary to how the firm was established even a hundred years ago, which was to sue others for gross negligence. I believe the kid crossed the line and that's why I think the oldest son was left alive. He was not part of the deal. So there's new video that shows him uh, with the cops right after the murders. They're coming onto the property in Colton County. And it's really interesting because he certainly doesn't act like somebody who is devastated by the loss. He's kind of covering his tracks, giving his alibis, and it's just, just strange. And so that's a case that I won't be talking about in the future, likely until there's a verdict. But you can certainly check out. The previous episode where I talked about fraud escalating the murder, because a lot of people have said that, well, it was fraud. He had been doing so much fraud and he finally couldn't take any more and he wanted to create a diversion and gain sympathy from the public and therefore they had to die. And I said, no, not at all. 
I think that it had something to do with it, possibly because uh, of all the shenanigans. But I think those frauds would have been paid off, could have been kept under the table, paying off people here and there. But once Paul crossed the line and that girl died and the wife found out that they were being sued for about $30 million, then those cracks started to appear. It was ultrasound to begin with because you couldn't see them. And then it was a visual inspection where you could see those cracks forming. And that was the fan blade that broke apart and caused the tragedy. I really believe that because I've seen a lot of times little things becoming big things. Well, with the Jared scenario, the creature feature coming out about Jared from Subway, that he uh, no longer can get a turkey sandwich naked, and that's without mayo. He was caught by the feds before he was able to make do on his twisted fantasies, which was about little children, um, teenagers, sharing pictures. And I think as far as this documentary is concerned, about how he's holding other people hostage in order to touch their children. It's really scary. It's really creepy. But I think they did such a good job on tracking him down before he could act on his twisted fantasy. Because I do think that regardless of the fame and the access, if he was never Jared from Subway, if he was the fat guy in the house by himself, the 425 pound guy, he would have still had access to computers. And he might've been one of those guys that walked through the door and catching a predator where he was physically there about to touch that kid who was a setup anyways that he didn't know about. So it's interesting to me that the fame gave him a lot of access and it kind of brought that monster out a little bit to where they could say, why is Jared doing this? Who's this guy? Why is he asking for this? Very creepy. And it's going to be interesting to see that, but I do think they did a phenomenal job about the little things that could have been a big thing later on. And they took care of this guy and he got 15 years in prison, um, at least 15 years, I think. And I think he was worth about 15 million anyways. So that was about a million dollars for every year you know, with all that Subway fame, because he did build that franchise. And I'm not saying that they knew about that. I'm just saying that, unfortunately for them, the same guy that built that franchise year after year after year for a bunch of years turned out to be a, a pedophile and a dangerous, dangerous individual. But those little things were taken care of. There were cracks in the system and... The feds got on it, and I believe the documentary also is about an investigative reporter where she is getting close to Jared, and they definitely dramatize this thing. It could have been a movie of the week or maybe a Netflix uh, show as well, um, maybe even at the theaters or something. Uh, so it seems really good. It's coming out in early March, Catching a Monster. So I think that monster had the access and the fame and also had the delusion where he could probably be a little bit more open about what he wanted. That ego, that ego that stands in front of him and says, give me this, give me that. But without it, I do think he would have been that 425 pound guy, never losing 200 pounds from Subway because he was eating two sandwiches a day and walking. He'd been that 425 pound guy. Um, 
playing computer games on the computer all day, and he might have walked in one day on catching a predator looking for that 11-year-old girl. Something like that. Well, what do you think about it? Are you going to check it out? Do you uh, think it's going to be a good documentary? And do you agree with these little things in true crime that can become big things? So in the case of the airline disaster that I mentioned, they didn't catch it. They didn't have ultrasound on that. They had the visual inspection, but you could not see it with the naked eye. And in the Murdoch case, also sounds like murder. In that case, it was things that had been building up for years that you could not see with the, the naked eye in a way. And you had to have something like ultrasound to figure out how that guy was thinking, what his brainwaves were doing, what his heart was thinking about his son, his youngest son and his wife. And it just didn't come out until years later. And you had that accident on the water that killed that young girl. And they were suing the family for about 30 million. And the wife found out about it. Little things became that disaster. But in the case of Jared, they got on it and it wasn't a disaster. And thank goodness he was put behind bars. He'll be out one day, which is scary, but that's for another time. So thank you for checking me out on Drowning Verdict on this Verdict Friday. I'll have more cases for you, but for now, I'm out. Good night. University, you'll get support from people who care about your success. From before you enroll to after you graduate, pursue your goals knowing help is available when you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu.